0: morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Oh, I heard somebody doing well. That's great. Was that you, Corey? My man, I believe it. So it is good to see you all this morning. I want to go ahead and ask, if you would, to go ahead and find uh, the book of Malachi in your Bibles. I want to go ahead and ask you to do that because I recognize that in preaching from Malachi this morning, many of you are going to have to sing the song to yourself, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, right? Some of you are going to have to go ahead and turn to your table of contents because you might have not realized yes there is a book of malachi and that's okay maybe some of you are fortunate and you have uh the tabs with the name already abbreviated good for you you're ahead of the curve right now so anyway i want to go and give you that uh just a quick update just to let you know where we are and while you're finding your place in malachi i want to say it is again good to be back um, again, I want to thank you all for your prayers uh, while my family was out under quarantine uh, due to the, the wonderful beauty that is COVID itself. And so by God's grace, we are all fine. Everybody's well. It was good to be back last week um, here uh, worshiping together as a faith family. I was thankful for uh, Jason Kolaski who faithfully preached the word. And I know a lot of you are going to look over looking for Jason. Jason actually has na- uh, National Guard responsibilities uh, this weekend. And I don't know how he does that. I don't know how you go from preaching in a pulpit to then dealing with soldiers. And that's literally what Jason has done. Um, it's all because Zida has trained him well, and so is Mr. Mike and Miss Iris. So thank you guys for uh, keeping that guy on point. Um, anyway, but it was just great to hear him preach the word. I'm thankful for that brother and just for how he proclaims the gospel. I'm also thankful for Corey Hires, who, uh, spoiler alert, is going to be preaching next Sunday. Um, so it's uh, man. It's just awesome I gotta tell you it's a it's a source of encouragement to know that we've got faithful brothers who can get up in this pulpit Who can proclaim the word of God and and preach that word faithfully and it's just it's it's incredible to be in a season of advent uh, Where we get to hear other men come up and and proclaim the good news of the gospel now again as you've already heard and realized we are Walking through advent together. We have lit the second candle which is now the candle of peace and again What you've already heard from Corey, I want to emphasize again that Advent is a season of reminder. It's a season of reminder that Jesus Christ has come, and it's the hope and peace that comes from knowing that he is coming again. So as we enter into this Christmas season, this season of Advent, as believers, we should be waiting with eager expectation of the coming of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, I don't know if you've realized this yet or not, but uh, the Christmas season is upon us. I mean, it's it's been unbelievable. My wife and I were sitting down uh, talking about that last night during uh, the halftime of one of the darkest football games I've ever watched in my life. And um, if you don't get that joke, don't ask me about it later because I'm not going to talk about it. The Braves are still world champions. I'm just going to keep repeating that to myself. But anyway, we were in the midst of the Christmas season, and um, we quickly realized just how quick Christmas has come upon us. I mean, I feel like uh, when we were decorating the church this past Sunday, Uh, there was a lot of conversation about how it was just hard to believe that we were already into december of 2021 and the question came up of well what happened to 2020 how did we get to christmas what happened Um, i had to remind myself that generally what happens when you get to december is you've gone through 11 other months to get there you just didn't realize you went through it and so here we are and then like every other christmas season we have seen we are back into a season of people being busy, people having lots to do, lots going on, uh, folks being stressed, um, you know, experiencing that. If you ever go to the mall or you go shopping, you, you see the stress in people's eyes and in their lives. And uh, sometimes they say Merry Christmas to you. Sometimes they say Happy Holidays. Uh, sometimes they describe to you how upset they are with you because of a poor decision you made. You know, just lots of wonderful things happening in this time of, se- of year. So it is the season. Well, I don't know if you've noticed this, but Christmas, like, uh, unlike any other holiday, is a, is a season of waiting. I mean, think about this for a moment. When it comes to Christmas, we wait on a lot of things. It's at Christmas time, we gather with our families and we decide to go out to eat in one of the largest counties in Florida, and what do we do? We wait in lines at restaurants, expecting a good meal. We go to stores, because it's Christmas, to buy products products we may or may not need, things that we may have and use for the entire year, things that we may forget about after about six months, or if you have children in about three hours, because they care more about the box that the toy came in than the actual toy itself. And so you wait in line at stores for these products. As Christmas, Christmas trees get put up, lights get put on them, they get surrounded with, president, with presents, excuse me, not presidents, although that would be nice too. We wait. And what we wait for is Christmas Day. We wait for Christmas Day to open Christmas gifts. Now, again, I don't know how it works in your household, but in my household, that's what we call the time of negotiating, because the children begin to negotiate, is it possible to open every gift on Christmas Eve so we do not have to wait? Right now, I can gladly say my wife and I are undefeated when it comes to answering no to that question. And so we wait for Christmas morning to open gifts together, to see the gifts that we have received, but at the same time to to see people open the gifts and the joy, hopefully, that comes across their face when they open the gift that they have been given. You see, that's Christmas in a Western society. We quickly begin to see that in our society, we've become a consumerist society. We've become consumer-driven when it comes to Christmas. You see, Christmas in our culture now has come more, has become more about the gifts, what it is that we give, what it is that we receive, than it is about the coming of Jesus Christ. I want you to think about this for a moment. When we come to church as Christians during this season, are we more excited and expectant about what it is that's coming on December twenty-fifth? Or are we eager and excited? about gathering with the faith family in order to worship Jesus Christ. You see, we need to ask ourselves this question when it comes to our own homes. When it comes to this particular season, do we spend more time at Christmas talking about presents under a tree and and talking about the family that we're going to get to see or the gifts that will be given? Or do we spend more time talking of the awaited arrival of King Jesus our Lord? Now again, I'm asking you this question not... For the purpose of making you feel guilty or convicting you or saying do not buy presents for your family do not spend time with your family that's not what i'm saying at all this morning rather i want to give you a question for us to think about because you see here's here's the problem that we have today even as christians rarely in our conversations do we talk of jesus christ rarely in our conversations do we talk of his return. And so what's ultimately happened is now, as a a more secular society than we have ever been before, people are now asking the question, where is God? Maybe they're asking a, a similar question to what we see earlier in Malachi. Where is this God of judgment? And yet here's the reality. The people who are asking this question normally are not asking the question because they're looking or they're seeking in hope of something that may be better, but rather they're asking as an act or a statement of defiance and unbelief in who God is. So as we look at our text today, we're going to see that this is the same question that's being asked by the people themselves. And God, through Malachi, will answer that very question. So this morning in Malachi... We're going to see not only the glorious peace, but we're going to see what happens with the coming of the messenger of the covenant. So by God's grace, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I hope you have found your place in Malachi. And if you have, we are in Malachi chapter 3, and we will begin in reading in verse 1. Now again, if you've found your place and you can and you're able, I would invite you now to stand in honor of the reading of the word of God. Now here is the prophet Malachi. Speaking words of God by God in Malachi chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. He writes Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you right now thanking you so much for this time and for this morning. Father, we thank you for this season and the opportunity that we even have to be reminded of the goodness of who you are. Father, we praise you that Christmas is not just about gifts, it's not just about decorations. Father, above all that, it's about you. It's about your coming. And so Father, we thank you for what this season means to us as believers. And Father, with your coming, we wait with eager expectation that you will come again. So Father, I pray that not only in this morning as we continue to worship you through the study of your word, Father, prepare our hearts, set us apart for the day that you return. Father, may our words be filled with your truth. May we be filled with hope. May our lives be filled with peace, knowing that you are sovereign over all things, knowing that you will come again. So, Father, fill us with your peace today. Now prepare our hearts and our minds for your word, for it's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Well, if I could, I want to give you just kind of a brief history lesson about Malachi. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if you are a reader, one of the most interesting things that you can actually read about is the book of Malachi itself, because there are so many different opinions and so many different viewpoints about who Malachi was, what Malachi, when it was written, uh, whom it was written to. There's a long list of areas and, and, and unknowns that you can get into depending on the different commentaries or the different scholars that you read about. So just to kind of give you a snapshot of Malachi, we know that Malachi literally means my messenger. Now, there are many who would believe because of that, the name Malachi itself was just the name of a person that we have no idea who they are. But the reality is, many scholars would agree, and I would agree with them, that Malachi was actually the proper name of what can best be described as a minor prophet. Now, the exact date of the writing of this prophecy is not Known, But based upon this writing, many would agree that this was written well after Nehemiah and well after um, Ezra or Esther or any of the other books that we have uh, in the Old Testament. Now generally, this letter is uh, dated nearly 100 years after the decree of Cyrus, which would have brought an end to Babylonian captivity for the Jews and would ultimately allow the Jews to return home to Jerusalem and begin rebuilding again. Now, if you read Malachi from the very beginning, Malachi tells us that Jerusalem is currently being rebuilt, that homes have now been restored, that the temple was being rebuilt, may even be near completion by this point. And there's actually even a reference to a governor, according, according to Malachi chapter 1, verse 8, which would clearly show us that regional officials have now been established again. Now, instead of speaking to what is good as defined by man, God, speaking through Malachi, will ultimately call the people to wake up and to return to a renewed call to the covenant made between God and man. In other words, what we're seeing through Malachi, if you read it in its entirety, is that God has been lost in the shuffle the rebuilding of buildings, the rebuilding of homes, the rebuilding of a temple, the the reestablishment of a government became more important to the people of God than God himself. And so Malachi calls the people back to God. Now, by the time we get into our text this morning, the people living in Jerusalem have asked this question, where is God? Or more specifically, they have asked in Malachi chapter 2, where is the God of judgment? And Malachi is going to answer that question in our text by saying, God is coming. In fact, God is here. God is now. You see, for us today, when people ask, where is God? And I'm not just talking about the question being asked, where is God, as in they are seeking God. I'm talking, or or they just have some 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 doubts about God. I'm speaking in terms specifically of just a complete disbelief in God. When that question comes up, where is God? We as Christians today need to remember the season of Advent. You see, when it comes to answering the question, where is God? It's not a matter of if God returns so that people will see them, but when God returns. And on that day, there will be judgment. So what I want us to look at together is what will happen when glorious peace comes upon the people. I want us to look this morning at what will happen when according to Malachi, the messenger of the covenant returns. You see, if you look again at verse 1, we read these words, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Now, before we get into who this particular messenger is, we need to understand that it was common practice for messengers to be sent ahead of the arrival of a great king in order to both announce his coming, but then also to make sure uh, to remove any obstacles or any barriers that would impede the arrival of this king. Now I want you to pay attention because we see this messenger referred to multiple times throughout the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament. In fact, if you flip over to Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, Malachi says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Again, in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, we read a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And then when you fast forward to the Gospels, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 10, Jesus, after messengers have been sent by John the Baptist to ask Jesus, Are you the one? Jesus answers them, but then he turns back to the crowd and speaks to them particularly about john the baptist and he says this is he of whom it is written behold i send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you and again in luke chapter 1 verse 17 in speaking again of john the baptist jesus says and he will go before him in the spirit and power of elijah Now, clearly, these passages are all speaking of the messenger who was coming to announce the arrival of the great king. This was the messenger who was coming to announce the arrival of the Lord. Now, what we see in the New Testament, particularly in the Gospels, at the beginning of the Gospels, we know that this person is John the Baptist. However, when you look at Malachi's day, This message was also being declared by the prophets who were doing the same work in preparing for the arrival of the Lord. And so like Malachi, they were were preparing the way. Like John the Baptist, they were preparing the path. They They were doing their part in preparing the hearts of the people for the coming of King Jesus. Now for us today, as those who can say that we are Christians, as those who can say that we have been set apart by the grace and the goodness of God through Jesus Christ our Lord, as those who have seen the goodness and the beauty of the coming of the King, how are we now passing on the message that our King is coming again? And on that day, peace will be restored. On that day, hope will be renewed. Coming back to the text, Malachi says, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Now, Malachi here tells the people, the God that you say is not present, this this God of judgment that you're asking about... Well, he's coming suddenly. Now, again, if you're reading this and you're one of those folks who maybe you have a journal Bible, I don't know, maybe you underline in your Bible or highlight the word I would underline here at this moment is the word suddenly. You see, when you see this word in the Bible, it's almost always not a good thing. Okay? So I would probably underline it and I would probably write next to it, not good. Not good. Because you see, if you go back to Isaiah chapter 47, verse 11, when prophesying about evil and disaster, notice what Isaiah says. He says, and ruin shall come upon you suddenly, of which you know nothing. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 tells us, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. You see, God, again, speaking through Malachi in our text, tells us that not only is the great king coming... But his coming will be swift. His coming will be sudden. In fact, it's gonna be so fast, you won't know what to do about it. Because he will come like a thief in the night and it will be faster than anything you could ever think or imagine or experience. Now I want you to think about that for a moment. Because oftentimes too many people, when thinking about the return of Jesus, they imagine that all of a sudden there's going to be this great trumpet reveling. okay? Like there's all of a sudden going to be this incredible, uh, mighty fortress is our God playing, kind of this preemptive Jesus coming down. And then what they believe is going to happen is all of a sudden Jesus is just going to slowly descend like the escalator at the mall. And then probably like the escalator at the mall, it's going to stop halfway down and then restart. But eventually he's going to get here, Okay. The problem is that's not what Malachi tells us. He says, no, this is going to be like the the sudden change in your life that happens in the blink of an eye. It's like that moment when you're sitting in your car listening to your favorite song, and all of a sudden you get rear-ended, and you never saw it coming. It's like being a, a sports fan. And you're hyped up for a game and you're hyped up for your favorite team. And it looks like everything's going well when all of a sudden in a minute and a half, your team starts falling apart. And they have fallen too far behind to ever catch up. It's like going Christmas shopping for your family, for your loved ones. And your car is is filled with presents. and, And you've literally looked at the list of people that you need to purchase for. And you're like, I have covered everyone. And it's not even December 10th. I am feeling good. Thank you, stores. Thank you, Amazon. Everything is covered. Thank you, Pinterest and all these DIY projects. It is finished. Only to arrive home and realize that you have a major water leak in your house. Some of you laugh at that. It's true. It could happen. You see, life can change in a single moment. Everything can change around us in a moment. And so what Malachi tells us is that the coming king is going to arrive after the announcement and then suddenly, suddenly in the blink of an eye, the trajectory of history will change. This is why we celebrate Advent, because at the birth of Jesus Christ, our Lord, the trajectory of history changed and it was sudden and it was swift. As Christians, we rest in knowing that the same will be said at the sudden return of Jesus Christ, because again, in that moment, Everything will change. Coming back to our text, Malachi continues. He says, the messenger of the covenant is coming. Now, again, let's go ahead and spoil the party for everyone else. But we know that clearly this messenger is Jesus Christ. If you've read the Bible, you know that, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, we see it. It's all there. So Malachi here is referring to the Messiah. And again, we already know who that is. And so Jesus has come. And again, it is in Jesus that, Christ, that God delights in. But I want you to pay attention to why this message would have been so important to the believers of Malachi's day. You see, when speaking of the message of the covenant, excuse me. Malachi is not speaking of the covenant of Adam. He's not speaking of the covenant that was made at Sinai, nor is he speaking of the the covenant of circumcision at this moment, but rather he is speaking of the covenant made by God to his people that he would redeem them. And we see that in the coming of the Lord. Malachi then tells us in our passage, says the Lord of hosts. So the messenger of the covenant is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Now we see this phrase throughout the word of God when an announcement is made from God we can rest in knowing that what has been said in this moment will clearly happen now again we know how this story unfolds we know that Jesus Christ came he entered into the world And so since he entered into the world, since this prophecy was fulfilled through Jesus Christ as believers, when Jesus says that he will come again, we can rest in the peace of knowing that he's going to do exactly what he said he was going to do. Except this time when Jesus returns, he won't come as a humble man born in a manger. In fact, what we're going to see when Jesus comes again, it's going to literally be the return of the king. Daniel says it so well in Daniel chapter 11, verse 22 says, and armies shall be utterly swept away before him and broken. So you see, when people ask, where is God? Where is this God of judgment? We can answer them today. He has come. And by his grace and his spirit, he is here. And in peace and hope, we know that he will return. And when he returns, he will return suddenly. And nothing can stand against him. Not armies, not rulers, not principalities, and certainly not our mocking words or disbelief. It's at this point that we get to verse 2 and Malachi now turns his attention to what it'll be like on the day that he returns. He says in verse 2, but who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? Literally, Malachi saying, look, this day is not going to be all rainbows and unicorns. This day is not going to be just balloons and, and happy butterflies. This day is not going to be an easy one for many people. I guess kind of the The best way you could describe this is it's almost like traveling on the interstate anywhere in florida and i'm not talking about i4 where you don't really travel on i4 you just kind of get on it like a disney ride and you're waiting a lot i'm not talking about that travel i'm talking about 75 on a day when it's actually moving you're moving okay speed limit's like 50 55 a couple times you hit 65 no we're not doing that we're testing the we're testing the speed laws in our car are we not we are all of a sudden, my, man, my Toyota Camry can outrun any NASCAR driver. We're moving. Unless you're a speed limit driver, grace and peace to you. Stay over to the right if you don't mind. But here's what happens. You're traveling on the interstate. Most of us speed. We look at that speed limit sign as more or less a guideline, right? More or less a warning. Hey, just enter at your own risk. That's kind of how we treat it. And then here's what happens. All of a sudden we're speeding down 75 and we see a state patrolman, what do we do? What do we do? You hit the brakes, you slow down. You try to look as normal as possible. You put your phone down, you put your coffee in your hand and you don't even look at them. You're just like, I don't even know you're there. I'm just happy to be alive. Why do we do that? Because it's when we see that highway patrolman, we realize that we are wrong. And so we try to look as casual as possible. But then what happens? Sometimes, sometimes you just keep going, no big deal, but sometimes you're not so lucky. They pull out, they catch up, they turn their lights on, they get behind you. You're hoping they're just trying to pass you, they're not. And then all of a sudden you realize you're busted and you know you were wrong, right? And then comes my favorite part ever of being pulled over. If you get a really good cop. They ask you this question. After asking for your license and registration, they ask you, do you know why I pulled you over today? That's a terrible question to ask me, by the way, because I have a lot of answers and none of them are speeding. I've, I've, I've answered that question several times, which by the way, those cops don't have a sense of humor. Don't try jokes. Okay. Just hear my heart on that. Please don't joke. Just tell them, just tell them, Hey, I got, you're pulling me over for speeding. I have broken your law and the law of God and I must now repent. So maybe we can stand behind the car and pray together. Maybe you'll get out of a ticket. I don't know. Maybe I need to try that next time. I don't know, but I've tried every answer. Do you know why I pulled you over today? Because I'm handsome. Mm-mm. Get your ticket. Do you know why I pulled you over today? Because my car is really fast and you like it. Uh Uh-uh, get you a ticket. Do you know how fast you're going today? Sir, do you realize how fast you had to go to catch me? You deserve a ticket too. Don't say that. I'm telling you, you will end up with a ticket every time. But notice what happens. We get on the interstate, we speed, we see a cop, we slow down. We realize what? We are wrong. Notice this is exactly what Malachi says that this is what it's going to be like on the day of the Lord. Guilty people will not like that day. All of a sudden, we're going we're gonna to see the Lord and we're going to realize all the wrong that we've done. We're going we're to realize all the opportunities that we have missed. We're going to realize all of our shortcomings. All of a sudden, we're going to be like Isaiah and fall upon our face and say, Lord, woe is me, for I am ruined and I live among a ruined people. You see, there will be condemnation for those who have lived apart from God. But notice what Malachi says. He continues, he says, for he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. You see, Malachi tells us that there's going to be a trial of fire that day and a trial by water. Now, again, in order to understand what Malachi's talking about, we have to understand this refiner's fire and this fuller's soap. You see, the fire itself, the heat from the fire was, was used to separate the mess from the actual pure metal in order to separate the impurities from silver and gold. So Malachi tells us that in this moment, the mess of our lives will be melted away. In the moment of the Lord's return, the sins of our lives will be melted away, and only that which is pure will remain. But notice for Malachi, it doesn't end there. <laughs> he also says that we will then be washed by the soap. Now, many of you may be thinking at point, man, what is wrong with a little bit of soap and water? Right now, I'm, I'm sitting next to some people who could probably use some more soap and water in their life. Okay? If that's you and you're looking at that person, uh, judge not lest you be judged. Okay? But this soap that malachi is speaking of this soap was actually made of harsh chemicals that was used to remove stubborn dirt used to remove the dirt that didn't just come out in in normal washes you see this was a, a hard chemical that was used to literally rip the dirt, pull the dirt away from the fabric, and the fabric remained just fine. And if that wasn't enough, the fabric was then taken and beaten up against a rock or a hard surface in order to knock out the rest of the dirt. So again, on the, on the day of the coming of the Lord, this is not going to be some sort of warm bubble bath we're talking about here, but rather in Jesus Christ, When we come to Christ, when we we come to faith in Christ, we need to understand that it's in this moment and in the moment that the Lord comes to refine us and to refine our world, He is going to burn sin out of us. Hard sin will be stained out of us and beaten out of us. And we may ask, why? Why does it have to be so harsh? Because I think if we were honest ourselves, we would realize, man, it's not easy ridding ourselves of deep-rooted sin. You see, our sin is like a stain that won't go away. And the problem is we continue to enjoy, and enjoy, and enjoy, and the sin grows, and it gets darker, and darker, and grows, and grows, and it just gets harder and harder to remove. In fact, we can't do it ourselves. It's why we need Christ. It's exactly why we needed Advent. We needed Jesus Christ to come because He would have to do what none of us could do ourselves. We needed to be made whole, to be purified, to be refined in fire, to be washed, and we couldn't do it ourselves. It took Jesus Christ on a cross by his blood, doing it for us. And I want us to realize today that, man, there is forgiveness that is found in Christ. There is grace that is found in Christ. But in order to maintain obedience to Christ, we've got to realize that we have to continually work out our faith. We have to force ourselves into submission to Jesus Christ because what happens when we're not submitted to Christ? Well, we may fall back into the, the habits that we are trying to rid ourselves of. In fact, it's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 that says, for the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. You see, here's the reality that we need to realize today. We don't have it all together. Christian life is not an easy life. Christian life is not ever going to be easy. It's not easy following the word of God. It's not even easy finding time to get into the word of God every day. Even as Christians, we are not perfect. As Christians, we are going to fall short. As Christians, we are going to make mistakes. It's not always gonna be roses on our side of the fence. However, what Malachi is teaching us about this messenger of the covenant and this refining by fire and purifying by water, he's telling us, Christian, don't give up. Christian, keep pushing. Man, it may be painful right now what it is that you're going through, but it's going to get better. Why? Because Jesus Christ is coming back, and he will be victorious. I love when we get to verse 3 by this point, because we open with verse 3, and speaking of the messenger covenant, he says, and he will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. Man, I got to tell you, a lot of people focus on the refiner's fire and the fuller's soap, all well and good, but I love this passage because all of a sudden the harshness that we just sat through the pain of what it means to be refined in Christ now all of a sudden here is a word of grace because you see as we go through this refinement as we go through the the uncomfortableness and the uneasiness of removing sin in our life and allowing Christ to take over more of our heart and uprooting the sin within us all of a sudden this pain that we're going through and, be, and the pain of, of being a disciple and the pain of, of, of growing in the image of God and being refined and having our stains removed, all of a sudden we realize it's Jesus who sits with us. Notice this. Notice verse 3 says, and he left them to be refined. It says that he will sit. In other words, his eyes are upon us. You see, Malachi in this moment reminds the people that God still cares for the people. God still cares for for his people. And he observes the process of them being cleansed and them being set apart as his people. Now I want you to hear this this morning because here is the the beauty in this passage as we realize together as Christians that no matter where we are, no matter what it is that we may be going through, we are not alone. God is with us. You may be here struggling today and saying, man, I think God has abandoned me. No, he hasn't. God has not forgotten you. In fact, his eyes are still upon you. Man, you could almost think in this moment as God is being a God of comfort, a God who sits with us as we grieve and as we hurt. You see, this is what the Lord is doing all the time. So man, when people ask, where is God? We can answer again, just like Malachi, as the messenger of the covenant, God has kept his promise, and it is God who is still with us. We move from there, and we see Malachi saying, he will purify the sons of Levi, and refine them like gold and silver. Now, again, there's been much debate, depending on the scholars that you read to, on the particular meaning of this passage. Some scholars will tell you this is specifically talking about leadership. Others will say, no, it's talking about the church. Others will say, no, this is talking about leadership, the church, and all the people. Either way, I believe that what we have here is a call that all who have been called to the Lord, including the church, which is the body of believers, have now been set apart or reformed by him for his glory and good work, just like gold and silver has been refined itself. You see, what we have here is a basic working definition of sanctification. Our growth as Christians is not going to be easy. It's not. We're going to continue to stumble, but that's the beauty of sanctification. Again, if I could define this word for you, it's the action or process of being freed from sin, purified and declared as holy and righteous before God. Some would call this this morning working out our faith. Either way, however you define it, as Christians who are awaiting the coming of the Lord, we need to remember that whether in the good or the bad, it's the Lord who is still at work within us. We are constantly being pulled in his direction and we are constantly being called to continue to grow in our knowledge and understanding of him so if you're here this morning and man life seems hard if you're here this morning and you've got doubts you've got questions can i just challenge you for a moment to answer this question is god using this particular moment is God using this particular season to continue to refine you to him? Maybe, maybe in the seasons of hardship, excuse me, I'm dealing with one now with the cough. Maybe in our season of hardship, maybe in our season of hurting, maybe in our seasons of struggles and doubts. Maybe instead of asking the question, where is God in this moment? Maybe the better question is this, what is God calling me to now? Because you know, one of the things that I often find amazing about the Christian life is this. It's amazing to me how when all of a sudden things get hard and God feels far away, it's always in that moment where we learn something more about who our Lord is. It's always in that moment that God himself calls us to something deeper. And so the question that we have before us this morning is, how far are you willing to walk with God? We come back to our text and Malachi closes in verse 4. He says, then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in the former years. Now here Malachi tells us that we are clearly being set apart as a sweet aroma and spiritual sacrifice of the Lord. And so here is the reality. Before the Lord returns, as Christians, we can rest in knowing it's the Lord who is still working. It is the Lord who is working in our lives. He is refining us in order to make us more like him. And all of this work, this refining, this this cleansing, this purifying, it's all being done for our good and, more importantly, for God's glory so that when he returns, we will be prepared for that day. Man, I love what one of my professors used to say to us all the time in seminary. We'd get done with class and he would remind us, he'd say, gentlemen, our life on earth is heaven practice. We are practicing for what is coming. And so what I would encourage you with is this. I don't know where you are or what you're going through, but man, practice well. Is God just going to give us peace? No, he's going to give us opportunities to practice peace. Are we going to be given hope? No. We're going to be given opportunities to practice hope. Practice well so that we will be prepared for what is to come in heaven. You see, we live in a day and a time where people will mock our God. We live in a day and a time where people will deny God. It may even lead some of us ourselves to begin to question God or doubt God or even begin to doubt God our own salvation. If that is you this morning, then I want you to hear this with encouragement. Know that God is coming. The great King will return because He has come and just as He promised, He will come again. And so in this moment, as His people, we are still being sanctified. We are still being purified, we are still being refined, we are still being reformed. And it's all being done by his grace and ultimately for the glory of God and his goodness. You see, this is why Jesus came. He came to set apart his people. He came to reform their hearts and to reform the heart of the church. And here's the reality. He's not done. He is still at work in us. His spirit is with us. So as believers, as those who wait with eager expectation for Jesus Christ to come again, may we rest in knowing that it is the Lord who is still at work in us now Until eternity. You see, Malachi had a message, and the message was this The messenger of the covenant has come, and as he has promised, he will come again. So may our peace, this glorious peace, may it be found in the promise that the Lord has made with us. May it be found in the promise that he has made in us. Let's pray together.